this Halloween special episode is brought to you by the show's generous supporters on Patreon. Patreon supporters like Ronan McDermott, August John Lachlan, Mila Buikas, Ronan, August John. Patreon supporters get a number of benefits. For example, there was a slightly X-rated ghost story this week, which didn't make the final cut. But you can listen to it on Patreon if you join us as a supporter. Check out patreon.com forward slash dark for all the details. And now, the show. Folklore Spooky Sound Special. I'm Dark Shane. I'm Geraldine McAvoy. And I'm Pather Quivonic. And you're all extremely welcome to this most spooky of podcast episodes. Other podcasts may possibly do Halloween specials, but are they spooky? Are they truly spooky? Do they have a puka in their spooka? No, we invented Halloween. Yes. Yeah. We invented Halloween and... Um, <laughs> Why does that annoy people so much that the Celtic Druids invented Halloween? <laughs> because it's, it's misappropriated all the time. It's so annoying. I think you'll find the Celtic Druids invented Samhain. <gasps> oh. Samhain, yes. Yeah. Uh, down in Athy in County Kildare. Yeah. That's where they invented it, I think. Is, is that anywhere near At Henry? I'm trying to figure out what that is properly. Athenry. <laughs> Athenry! <laughs> My dad's a musician and uh, he would have had a, a lot of tours of the US when I was growing up and on every single tour they would be asked, do you guys play the fields of Ed Henry? Ed Henry. Oh, God. Uh, a friend of his was in a band that he set up with, uh, with fellow musicians from the same area of Dublin 8. Uh, so the band was called Inchicore, but of course they were marketed all over the States as Inchicory. In Chicory. Yeah. <laughs> great band, great band. Love their early stuff. Love In Chicory. Yeah, in Chicory. Really yeah. In Chicory, of course, made famous by um, Jocks Who Goes to Stuttgart. I think In was relatively famous before Jocks are ever gone into his uh, high ace. You know, um, I, once upon a time, I had a, a German girlfriend. And my dad referred to her once as, ah, here, here she is, the German's daughter. And <laughs> From the banks of fair, the River Rhine. She, she got the reference. <laughs> legend. <laughs> Absolute legend. I don't get the reference. It uh, was in the year of 88 in the merry month of June, Garadine. <laughs> sure wasn't I but a twinkle at that stage. <laughs> not even, not even. <laughs> no, not even. <laughs> is this some mm. sort of soccer thing that I don't... It's... It was it was the yeah the unofficial anthem of Ireland's Euro '88 campaign um, pre Italian '90 yeah two presumably. years before Italian yeah. '90 uh, basically yeah. Ireland Ireland beat England in Stutt- in Stuttgart and and Christy Moore wrote a moving heartwarming ballad about a bunch of lads from uh, Inchicore who yeah. um, Inchicore and Ballyfermot who got in the van and hopped on the ferry over to. Holland and then drove into Germany and down the autobahn all the way to Stuttgart to get to the game. And when, oh, how lovely for them. And 
the, the, Those the, the duty free days. Yeah, the duty free days. Uh, the denouement of the of the song is uh, when when Ireland win the game. Uh, Joxer, our hero, climbs right over the top of the fence, runs onto the pitch, and is last seen arm in arm with Jack Charlton singing "Revenge for Skibbereen." But the it was Joxer was one of the others who met a German's daughter. Oh, Joxer met a German's daughter. On the the German, Joxer met a German's daughter, and she found him in Shakur at the end. Ballyfermot. Oh, and, and by Fermat, oh, yeah, yeah. Joxer met a German's daughter on the banks of the River Rhine, and he told her she'd be welcome back in Ballyfermot any time. And then just Christy Moore, just to, you know, really stick it to the other team who played in Stuttgart that day. The, so- the, the song is sung to the tune of Match of the Day. I feel like that's a you had to be there thing, is it? It's funny enough because you know people. I mean, yeah, I think I think people who were there, um, it, it, it was it was kind of their Woodstock. It was a really big thing, <laughs> and maybe people who are too young to remember it are kind of like you know um, a little bit perplexed by it. I mean, so much has happened yeah. since then. But you have to remember, back in nineteen eighty, Ireland had never hadn't really won anything. We had we, we didn't we weren't even the world's leading Eurovision winners at that time. We'd only mm, won yeah. a couple of times, and then we beat England, and you know I think. Oh, like the, the Tour de France was was like a big deal at the time because like, it, you know, we, we were so desperate to win things. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw something. It was only recently. I think I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was, but from somebody around my age, he was like, for a long time, I thought Ireland won the World Cup in Italia 90. And I, again, mm-hmm. I did as well. Until, yeah. Like way too late before <laughs> I realised we didn't actually win it. <laughs> like, because of the way it's just talked about, I just assumed. Well, I mean, we won it. In, in one sense, like we, we had a really good chance to win it. And we were... We were barely beaten by Italy in the quarterfinal, and we had a very good chance to win it because, like the other teams, were no great shakes, and we had a we had a wonderful team. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a part of me, a small part of me, mind you, not the largest part at all. There's a small part of me that's kind of glad we didn't win it because, like the English, won the World Cup in 1966, and they're still insufferable about they it. They are, they are about it. Yeah, I was yeah. at a conference last year in Nottingham, and. It's coming home was scrawled on a fucking tree in the middle of the campus. And I was like, it's not, guys. Let it go. F- football is coming home to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, German, like so, Germany hadn't been fully u- unified in in, in nineteen ninety when they won. It was yeah, still West Germany. No, yeah. No. They, well, they, yeah. They sort of. I don't think there was an East Germany team anymore. You know, I think the the 1990 World Cup was special because um, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a unified team, basically, even though it was West Germany. It was West Germany in name alone, more or less. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, they were reunified, like they won the World Cup in July and their reunification happened in October. What a fun yeah, so- year for them. Good year, yeah, good well, year for them. Yeah. yeah, it was a good year, and that that was the the that was the, that reunification was probably was one of the one of the moments that electrified your skepticism in England uh, that they were just terrified that Germany was too big and every, and they were just in, in a panic that they were going to basically call the shots in Europe from now on. Yeah, and that they, uh, and that England and that England would never win a World Cup again. <laughs> <laughs> and this was our soccer episode where we talk about <laughs> geopolitics and soccer in the nineteen nineties. <laughs> Well, what could be spookier than a bit of soccer? What could be spookier than the concept of the Brits winning anything? Oh, that terrifies me. <laughs> Isn't this, they're, they're, they're winning Brexit, aren't they? <laughs> Define winning. It's, it's amazing. They're not playing anybody, and yet they're still 3-0 down at halftime. 
supposed to be a slam dunk, won't it? Just ragging on Brits. <laughs> Isn't Daily Moon Park haunted? Probably. I, I seem to remember hearing that once. I, d- I don't know. While, you know, while our fact checker looks into that, because we, we have a fact checker now, thanks to our Patreon supporters. <laughs> <laughs> um, while our fact checker looks into that, I thought I'd get the gang together and we would consider some local spooky stories from this highly haunted island. You know, there's other islands. Iceland's kind of spooky. Um, <laughs> Iceland, Iceland, is, Iceland's more ethereal. than. than yeah, spooky. they're big into the old... Um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, that uh, Eurovision movie on Netflix. There's a whole thing about elves. They're, they're like, they're fully into... That's not a joke. Like, over 50% of that island believe in the existence of elves. And I respect that. We, t- we had an episode last year about, about fairies. And mm-hmm. I... D- I'm not going to say I don't believe in fairies because I fully do. Like I, st- I I'm not going to cross the fairies, but I respect a whole island that can be down with the the elves or the fairies. I'm into that. That's a spooky island. I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's 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 important to have a connection to this because I mean wh- whether or not the fairies there the 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 legacy of not touching it does speak to mm. an, an an earlier wisdom in some ways and. Yes, and Corsica is also a spooky island, but a different kind. More of a kind of, um, <laughs> but Ireland is particularly haunted. Uh, the fact check has come in about Daily Mount Park. The only, the only references to haunting um, I can get are like former players coming back to haunt bows by scoring the winner at Daily Mount Park. <laughs> and, but and, were, they, and but the, were these former players dead? No, unfortunately, they were alive. And, <laughs> playing for St. Pat's and Shells and Rovers. Uh, the only other references I can get, a few references to Daily Mount Park and Ghosts, but mostly it's um, the last time bows were any good, uh, Ghost Town was at the top of the charts. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's a great tune in itself, isn't it? It is, yeah. The Fun last story. The anthem. <laughs> Fun story about Ghost Town. Uh, that's that moment in Father Ted is based on a true story where about um, is the, it, uh, yes oh that's made my day is it really <laughs> do you want to hear this stand for the national anthem this town so Tricky the, um, who is in, a member of Massive Attack who is a great DJ as well as being kind of a rapper and composer of, of music was asked to DJ a party by some by some chic who's over in New York City said he's going to concord you over bring the best music in the world play it for my party I'll oh, send you back after, you know, when you're when you're suitably partied up. And he just brought that specials album because he said, oh, I just I just think it is just from beginning to end, it is just a perfect album and it has Ghost Town on it. So he didn't uh, just play Ghost Town. But back he just to played back. he just played that one specials album. Oh, okay. So it was loosely based on that story. I can't imagine the Sheik standing for the national anthem, really, can you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where he's from. Maybe he did. But yeah, like, when you have that kind of money, you deserve to be pranked like that. Yeah, that's true. Did I interrupt someone in there? Yeah, you were talking about how you were talking about Ghost Town being top of the charts. Uh, the specials. No, were that the was first that was the punchline. That's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, excellent. Spot. At the end of the day, bows are our rivals. So that was the joke. That was it. It's they're, look, they're a lovely, they're a lovely squad. Great team. Lovely club. Fantastic. Big fan of their fans. A, a, a club that is more obsessed with craft beer and looking cool than football and that's admirable in and of itself <laughs> and this episode was brought to you by the FAI apparently <laughs> no way yeah. we're talking about domestic soccer <laughs> the FAI couldn't give two shits I don't fucking know okay that's how much I care about this <laughs> 
it's um, maybe it's if we were sitting here with a giant ice sculpture of a pistol, and now, <laughs> that's some spooky shit. <laughs> so. The, the League of Ireland used to get massive, like twenty thousand audiences or so for for kind of matches in the middle of the week until until matches. Audiences, what do, you, what do you call them? Crowds. 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 Whatever, man. It's, we're so deep like, into COVID that we're like, what, what do you call it when there's a bunch of people? I don't know how we've ended up in a sports podcast, but I've ended up in a sports <laughs> podcast with the two worst possible co-hosts of a sports podcast. Derek is there going, these soccer, these soccer performance audiences are quite uncouth. <laughs> the patrons of the soccer game. Would, well. it be, would it be would it be uh, would it be would it be to bring one's opera glasses to a soccer performance? <laughs> what time is the interval, Brayton? <laughs> <laughs> why, why yes, why yes, Joxer. One would love a pork pie. <laughs> Corn sandwiches. Isn't that, isn't that what the bad guys have? Oh, up, 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 up no. in the... not in the League of Ireland. It's not. <laughs> But the yeah, that's more. But yes, the the crowds used to be huge before match of the day. Yeah, before te- the before televised English football. And yes, yeah, so a lot of League of Ireland supporters, particularly the older ones, are very bitter about this. Yeah, they call they call anyone who supports an English team and doesn't go along to their local Irish uh, club. They call them barstoolers. <laughs> I love it. Seriously, a barstooler. Barstoolers. And you know. The fact that so many Irish people do follow a premiership club is is sometimes uh, is poked fun at. You find sometimes when there's protests, maybe at um, uh, when, when, when a lot of fun was made when there were protests at the Queen uh, coming to Ireland and that some of the protesters were wearing Man United jerseys or Celtic jerseys. For that my, my, my favourite one of all time is the chap standing outside Croke Park protesting um the playing of foreign games in Croke Park, wearing the mm. full Celtic kit. Oh, I love that level of irony. Oh, wow. Oh. That's like performance art. That's what that is. That's just fantastic. It's dedication to a cause. I'm not sure yeah. what cause. I don't, I'm not sure he is. <laughs> oh, no, that was that was a political commentary. That was that just no one saw it. He was just so deep in method acting that no one got it. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking, it was Stephen Colbert. Like, nobody, nobody twigged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it may have actually been Sasha Baron Cohen. There you are. But there you are. You know what's spooky? You know what's spooky what as hell? Um, the American presidential election will be, what, done and dusted? Probably decided by the time we have another podcast? Well, with the postal ballots, they're going to get, they're going to be in for a treat. They're going to be in for a long count, which... Can, can you say Supreme Court? <laughs> um, that was twinged with irony for any of our American listeners. I don't think you're in for a treat at all. But a long count, objectively speaking, as someone who's never run for election, is great crack. Pather, I'm sure you have a different uh, perspective on it. But yeah, long counts, great crack. It's great. It's great crack in hindsight. Uh, it's yeah. it's tremendous crack in hindsight. It's incredibly. See, I don't know. It's different when there's just two people. I I don't know. Yeah. Like, like uh, Irish mm. elections, I discussed it with Derek on the pod before. It's it's our equivalent to cricket. Like it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a long form sport, and it's a blood sport, and we enjoy it an awful lot. Uh, but yeah, I look, I'd be watching with bated breath. But that's literally the definition of trick or treat, isn't it? Nice, friendly Uncle Joe or the Donald. 
uh, trick or treat with an asterisk beside it? I mean, treat. <laughs> is it trick or gobshite who looks like a, a treat by comparison? Gobshite is not a fascist. I think that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, uh, that, that's the longer version of trick or treat. Listen, I think that's it, how it initially goes. Yeah. You know? Gar- Gardine, it's 2020. Like, I'll, I'll, <laughs> that, that's how low the bar is. I'll take the guy who's not a fascist. That's that's enough at this yeah, stage. That's a treat in 2020. <laughs> Not that is great. <laughs> is any of your smallies doing a makeshift trick or treat this year? Well, I'm not sure if they're about to go trick or treating. Are you going to like send them down the one in like to the path, the gate and then make them come up to the door and knock on the door and trick or treat for their mum and dad? No, I think we'll just dress them up. Uh, we're because art is a map of blonde hair. We're thinking of dressing up as Boris Johnson. Oh God! He's 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 too young to pick his own costume. So we're just going <laughs> to so just, just saddle him with fucking Boris Johnson. Although Boris Johnson does look like a toddler, so that yeah, that'd be pretty cute, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it will. And so, but whereas Lasarina would have stronger opinions because she's a little bit older, so yeah. she probably hasn't has a stronger opinion. I think she want, would like to either go as Peppa or Masha, Masha, who is famously friends of the bear. The Great. So oh, hang on. So one of them's going to be Boris Johnson. The other one's going to be effectively Vladimir Putin. Yes. Oh, right. Peppa right, Pig, so. your kids are dressing up as Tories. You failed, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> but what's, what's scarier than a Tory? Two Tories. I heard that one before. <laughs> 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 Is it 438 Tories or however many they have? Jesus. So around this time of year, uh, when, the sp- when the spooky season begins, uh, a lot of Irish people reflect upon the fact that we aren't hard enough on Guy Fawkes that you know our our silence is deafening on the whole issue of Guy Fawkes and how he tried to destroy English democracy years ago and well, that we well, just hold on a second Did, <laughs> didn't, he try, that we, didn't he try and kill the king I know he tried to blow up parliament but wasn't it because the king was opening parliament he got the thing. Ireland has never been strong enough, has never been vocal enough in its opposition to Guy Fawkes. And uh, now this is one of the reasons that Halloween is Maria Irish, because we don't do the Guy Fawkes Day. What? what, what? I'm confused. So there, what's the I'm, argument that we made up our own thing because we didn't want to do Guy Fawkes? I'm just telling you what an English bloke told me oh when God. I was backpacking. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're vocal enough on Guy Fawkes. Like, he should be a national hero. Yeah. <laughs> we should name so, a train station after Volunteer Fox. Uh, uh, Oglick Fox. Oglick Fox. Because, like, my birthday is Guy Fawkes Day. And because of this, and when sometimes when I'm, when I'm talking to people from, from England or other parts of the political United Kingdom, they would say, "Oh yeah, do you like Guy Fawkes Day?" I was like, "Well, actually, you know, I've never and I've never had a Guy Fawkes Day ever because we just don't do that kind of thing, and they're just horrified." And a lot of the, the historically, we didn't have many fireworks legally in the eighties in North Farnham. so the, <laughs> the the fireworks that actually did come were surplus Guy Fawkes Day stuff that people's English cousins brought over. Yeah, isn't it mad that so you can buy fireworks here in Finland at the mm. supermarket, and I was ill-equipped for how much I would lose my fucking head. At the <laughs> 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 like New, so they don't have Halloween here; it's not a thing. But uh, they do them at um, New Year's Eve, so you can just go to your local, like your equivalent of Tesco, and there's a girl outside a stand 
where you'd have like a, a, a like in the summer a person selling strawberries a, like a bored teenager selling fireworks and I was like give me all your fireworks like I don't I don't know what to do with them but like I'm like I can't handle myself like the time that Krispy Kreme came to Dublin and Irish people just couldn't fucking deal we couldn't <laughs> handle it so we had to buy them all so that was me at, like picture me outside an S market in Espo outside of Helsinki buying like too much fireworks for it not to be suspicious and you, not know what to do with them you know you've just you've just demonstrated in one fell swoop why we can't be trusted to have fireworks on general Anything. sale yeah. over here <laughs> and that was because I was like they're like they're illegal in Ireland and like no one understood that they were like why and I was like this this is fucking why look at me like. <laughs> look at my shopping trolley that's yeah. why I went for milk I came back with uh, explosives like. <laughs> You just imagine, like, what if they if, if suddenly in the budget they just said, you know, by the way, we're 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 softening our stance on the whole fireworks thing. Shops can sell them. Imagine, like, suddenly the that little head office, Aldi head office over in Germany, <laughs> getting very very foaming at the mouth. Tesco saying, "Oh, let's get these fireworks over." We would, we would go bananas. Mm-hmm. I, would and, buy, yes. I would buy enough pyrotechnics to demolish Leitrim. <laughs> I like. I wouldn't use them to demolish Leitrim, but just that's my gauge. Just yeah. like, how much? How many fireworks do you need? Enough to wipe Leitrim off the map. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to do anything yeah. to Leitrim, but just that many. Just, just to have because like, I couldn't have them before, and now I have them, and I have to have them all. Like, yeah, we need to be rationed for this sort of thing. You know, we need one ha- <laughs> firework per household. You know, <laughs> one sparkler each. <laughs> Start yourself off with a sparkler, then move on to, yeah. I don't know, whatever. But this thing, sparklers are okay, and then fireworks, you have to, there's, there's a little bit of organization involved, and so some people just don't have the patience for it. But the big thing is bangers. <laughs> and bangers are, are a funny one because, because we, when I was in, in holidays in France, you'd have vending machines of fireworks. Vending and machines! These, vending machines! Oh my God! Yes, vending machines of fireworks. And then I remember. You'd get like there's a, a, a particular type which had like 10 on a string. So it just go bang, 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 bang. I think it's called a caterpillar or something. And and they would just, you know, it, it would be kind of like a machine gun effect, uh, which, you know, could could arguably, you know, scare people. But it was fantastic. Except then you it get was these... Rathfarnham. So you just knew that it was fireworks and not, <laughs> not an actual gun. <laughs> You'd think that now, but but they actually had bangers, which were effectively like slightly, you know, they were diluted dynamite. It was just a big yoke and it sort of bang, and people go, and you, you really see this kind of um, this cavemanishness in some people who just want. I just want to watch an explosion, a small explosion, and it makes me feel like a big man. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to nick my my child sweets. Yeah, that sounds like a perfect Halloween. Yeah. I I don't have any children, but I want to nick children's sweets. I'm into that. Yeah, Halloween yeah. sweets are class. When I, I have mean, a sick tummy a, going to bed, that's the aim. That's we the, used to, like, there's also a reason that the proverb is you know the simile is like taking candy from a baby. It's easy. Yeah. Like yes, and delicious. Yeah, you're going to sit there and cry. I'm going to eat your sweet cigarettes. Do you remember sweet cigarettes? Yeah, we oh, yeah. eat these. That was that was toxic, wasn't it? That yeah. was a really really noxious thing to sell to children. Uh, I can still taste them though. They're <laughs> but the whole idea, oh, children want to smoke this. We'll get, get them. They can get some of the actions right by practicing on these sweets. Yeah, these sweets with Bugs Bunny on the outside of them. Like the little box had like Looney Tunes on the front of it. <laughs> what are we marketing at children? Candy sticks, I think they're called these days. Come on, we know. I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're even for sale anymore. I've seen them around. I see them. 
there, when I was when I was a kid, we used to get these sweet cigarettes that were like chocolate wrapped in edible paper. They really, really looked like cigarettes, and they even came in a soft pack with different designs on them. Like one of them had a mountain on it, so there were different brands. And oh, wow. I mean, they looked exactly like cigarettes. And I think back to to those and go, holy moly! Like, what were we giving children? And do you smoke, Father? It did. I smoked for many years, yeah, probably effective. as a direct result of those. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think if you dig, you probably don't even have to dig hard enough. You'll find a connection to big tobacco there. Oh, definitely. I, I smoked for many years. Thank you very much, big tobacco. And then I su- <laughs> successfully replaced my nicotine addiction with an addiction to Chinese food. Oh, yeah. Chinese food. Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Porik, and we host the Behavioural Vaccine Podcast. We're behavioural scientists who met through improv comedy. And so each week, we bring the two things together to explore how behavioural science can be applied, but in a fun way. There's a little bit of research. There's a good bit of messing. And there's loads of practical tips on everything from how to save money to how to maintain your friendships. Think about this like a behavioural vaccine to get you through winter 2020. Go on, sure, give us a listen. Anyone for a spooky story, lads? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, Guardian, do you have a spooky story from the spookiest county in the Midlands? Yeah, so apparently, um, unbeknownst to me, Leash is a spooky place. And also unbeknownst to me, many of the places that I frequented as a child and as a young person are quite spooky. Um, and this came to came to my attention from a really great Facebook page and I would encourage anyone interested like to have a look at it like it's it's actually really well run and resources resourced it's called Haunted Leash Facebook page and there's just like stories in a sense it's a bit similar to like a an oral tradition collection like so people collecting like oral tradition stories but they're like spooky stories and uh, a friend of mine sent me a link to one of the stories in it. And it, it actually was featured like widely on uh, on local news media. The Leinster Express had it and so did the Leash Nationalist. Um, and it was a submission from a, uh, a person who had a spooky story about uh, the very notoriously haunted Leash Shopping Centre recently refurbished in the last five or six years. Yeah, we've got a new big Tesco. Um, the old pennies are still there, unfortunately. They only re- revamped half of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so in if anyone's not familiar with, with uh, Leash Shopping Centre, um, picture the uh, the N7 and you're uh, the road from Dublin to Cork and you uh, are stopping halfway and you're going to take exit 17. And you're going to swing in past the Maldron and into Port Leash. And there used to be a big blue bridge there, but that's gone now. It was a cultural icon. I wonder, was that haunted? Maybe it was. I don't know. Mm. Um, but anyway, there's a shopping centre in there. And in the shopping centre, there is a fountain. And I actually, this is this is bad. So like, like Cleary's Clock in Dublin, where you meet somebody, right? That was a, a place where you would meet someone. I'm going to meet you at Cleary's Clock, yeah? Um, mm. The fountain in Port Leash was where you m- met somebody. Um and you, if you were a teenager, you would also loiter there, spend your time loitering there. So I spent many, many Friday afternoons, because we had a half day on a Friday, loitering at the fountain. And there's a lot of coins in the fountain because, you know, it's a whatever wishing fountain. I don't know. Um, but apparently it's haunted. Uh, so the story goes that there was a person who uh, was uh, sitting at the fountain waiting for a friend again, because that's where you wait. Uh, it was early in the morning 
just before nine o'clock and the shopping centre was really quiet and the girls in Costa were setting up for the day. So it's after the refurbishment because Costa's only there since the refurbishment. Mm-hmm. And now I've situated you in time. Uh, so uh, as I sat there, I s- heard something drop into the fountain. Uh, so I looked down to see, did I drop anything? But nothing. So I just looked away. But then I heard it again. So I stood up and looked around to see if someone was throwing something in, but there was no one. I started to feel uneasy, like someone was watching me. So I moved back towards Tootle's shop, which is a news agent's <laughs> nearby. Oh, uh, as I stood there, I could see the coins being thrown into the fountain, but there was no one there. Ooh. Ooh. Spooky. So coin after coin being thrown in. Seconds later, my friend walked in and said, you're as pale. And I told her what had happened. (laughs) And as we walked to work, she laughed it off and I laughed it off thinking I'd imagined it. Later that day, I walked past the fountain after my shift. I felt so uneasy that someone was watching me again, but I just forgot about it. When I got home, I was getting out of my uniform and I took off the shirt and three old halfpenny coins fell out of the pocket in my shirt. I have never seen them before and I have no idea where they came from. Every time I walk past the fountain now, I feel the glare. Now, and then when this was posted, there was multiple responses that people had felt haunted in the shopping centre. One particularly related to um, the phones section of Tesco. Oh, that was uh, apparently someone was throwing phones around the place and making noise at them <laughs> in the, the middle mo- of the day. It's the most haunted mobile phone section of a Tesco in Ireland or so I'm led to believe. <laughs> so I believe, yes. <laughs> Ghostbusters are in on it. <laughs> um, yeah, so apparently it's uh, it's it's haunted there. Um, and listen, I've never been in the shopping centre that early in the morning. I don't think if it wasn't to queue maybe for tickets back when you used to queue for tickets and not buy them online. Um, and I don't remember seeing that <gasps> oh spooky, but it just reminded me of the time when um, when Garth Brooks was coming to Ireland to do his famous oh, five concerts yeah. that never happened, mm-hmm. and um, RT went to meet a bunch of people who were queuing up outside a ticket shop. I think it was in Castlebar, County Mayo, and like there was one group of girls in particular that had queued up for two days. Oh my god. And when they got to the top of the queue, there were no tickets left because everyone else had bought them online. Oh, <laughs> rotted. Oh, absolutely rotted. Oh, man, that's spooky. That's a spooky situation. And then the concert never materialised. Oh, the concert just disappeared. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> to, go, to, go back to, to go back to your ghost story, though, could you just pronounce the name of that news agent again for me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because we we have them up here and we have I them don't know up here what it is. It used Tuttles. to be um, Tuttles. Oh, geez, I can't remember Tuttles. Tuttles, yeah, that's how we I pronounce don't know. it. I can't remember what it used to be. It used to be something else, and apparently it's Tuttles now. But I, I it's just the one news agents in the shopping centre. Oh, so it was just fiendishly cute when you said Tootles. I won't to- be denigrated, <laughs> bullied, or antagonised on this show. <laughs> Yeah. You don't get many. You don't get many ghost stories about modern buildings. Yeah, but this is and this is in modern times as well. As I say, because it's after the renovations. Because Costa's only new there. We only had like barista, as in like that. That's barista in in, in Port New Shopping Centre. Um, you know, we only had like actual like that kind of like chain coffee shops in the last like maybe 
five, six years, I'd say. Um, so yeah, it's recent. Now the fountain is there a long time, but like it's not there longer. It's not there like, you know, 400 years, do you know? See, that's the thing. If I was going to pick a shopping centre in the Midlands to be haunted, uh, like the Carlo one is built onto the old jail. The Carlo, that's, it's haunted in itself, like. That, yeah, well, that, I mean, but it is yes. a lovely shopping centre. <laughs> But oh my God, that just reminds me. So my sister-in-law went to college in Carlo. And oh. so I wouldn't have much knowledge of like Carlo beyond Dinri and going out in Dinri, um, which is if you're around the Midlands, probably somewhere you've gone out in. Uh, is, the fa- is the foundry in Carlo as well? Was Foundries the- in Carlo it is, yeah. Um, oh, that was, a, that was a meat market. Jesus. Yeah, good spot. Good spot. So it is. Um, but uh, my, so I went to the cinema last year and... I wanted to see The Favourite and it was only playing in this one cinema in Carlo. And then I came home from it and I was talking to my sister-in-law about it and she was like, which cinema did you go to? Did you go to the Odeon or the Haunted one? And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? And it's the one that's in the, the old shopping centre that was built on the jail. She says it's haunted. I, I must have asked her about that. I, I, I don't know why it's haunted. But it was fairly, I mean, if I was to guess a haunted cinema, I'd go with that one. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought you were going to give us like a real spooky ghost story that like you came back and she said, which cinema did you go to? And then you said, which cinema? She says, that, that burned down in 1932. <laughs> oh, that would have been better. <laughs> I, I, was, I was wondering why the ticket was only threepence. <laughs> <laughs> threepence. Yeah, no, but it was, yeah, there was particularly squeaky floors, but, and there was an old stick to the carpet, but I didn't see it being haunted otherwise, but I wasn't looking out for it, so. Did you, did you go to the cinema in the nightclub? No, <laughs> sticky, carpet. sticky carpets and squeaky floors, it sounds like going out in Carlo. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, so apparently that is haunted, and that's part of the old shopping centre that was built on the jail, which still has the buildings for it, which seems like a waste, because, you know, there's just like a Claire's accessory and maybe a Super Quinn? No, Super Quinn's not around anymore. Okay. It's probably a Super Value. Yeah, it's one of them. But yeah. you can tell, though, when you go to a Super Value that used to be a Super Quinn, it's still kind of haunted by that little bit of... Um, haunted by of a nice bakery. Yeah, by the nice bakery. Yeah. <laughs> haunted and by the smell of fresh bread and decent sausages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's my spooky story for you guys. Um, I don't know if I've ever felt being watched in... By a presence that wasn't like, I don't know, weird guys who were just loitering in the shopping centre. <laughs> yeah, I've often felt haunted in a shopping centre. Yeah. But that's punk kids who might say something to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, aren't teenagers very frightening? Like, that's scary. That's what scares me about that fountain. Because, they're, again, they're the teenagers that I used to be loitering around it. And they're just, oh, I'm so frightened. Of them. <laughs> Are they going to say something and just roast me like... <laughs> Hanging, ha- <laughs> hanging around, wearing hoodies, hanging around the, uh, hanging around the fountain in the Lee Shopping Centre, waiting for yeah. the bus to Dublin so they can go and hang around Temple Bar. Yeah, for a few hours with TikTok oh. or something. I don't fucking know. Oh yeah, <laughs> Badger, you have a classy ghost story. For us. I have a very classy ghost one. story. A very classy ghost story that might that might make the edit. <laughs> <laughs> Not we have so much soccer content. We had to visit it. <laughs> um, so, Derek, you're you're a dub, yes, um, and I'm a dub. Garadine, you're not. But have you ever heard of Marsh's Library? No, I have not. Marsh's Library is absolutely lovely. It's a gorgeous old library. It's just around the corner from St Patrick's Cathedral. 
So, oh, yeah. you know what it is, right next to um, St. Patrick's Choir School there, just up the laneway from St. Patrick's Cathedral off um, Patrick Street. And it is just absolutely beautiful. It was built by Archbishop um, Narcissus Marsh, a Church of Ireland Archbishop, and he tried to get one copy of every book in the world. He didn't quite manage that. The Trinity Library, I believe, has a copy of every book that's published from the 1920s onwards. Um, but Marsh's library is one of the most amazingly beautiful, aesthetically pleasing library. You can go in there and you can not only see all the old reference books and everything, but you can actually see the old reading cages that were in there, which are brilliant. Like, I think reading cages are a fantastic idea. You want to borrow this book, right, Grant? Get into the cage. I'll lock you in the cage and I'll hand you the book. And when you're finished reading it, you can give me back the book and then I let you out of the cage. No book thieves here. It's absolutely fantastic. But I love the level of dedication I went to that. Give away a book? Oh, Jesus, not without a cage. <laughs> yeah, not without a cage, no. Um, so Archbishop uh, Marsh, again, his first name was Narcissus. What a name. Absolutely. Yeah, class. I was going to ask about that. That's fucking class. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an absolutely brilliant name. Um, and I, I don't think we have enough, like, classical Greek and Latin names anymore. Like, you know, I mean, I, I kind of, I don't regret what I named my, my kid, but like Narcissus was probably a close second. Like, you know. Um, oh yeah, there's Narcissus now. Narcissus, come in for your dinner. <laughs> Narcissus. Narcissus, your man wants you. Yeah, but then he ends up getting called Narky. Oh, Do you no, know, that's Nark, you don't or want sis. that. Sissy. Sissy, yeah. Kids are terrible. Kids are awful, actually. <laughs> God, I mean, they don't yeah. get any better when they're teenagers. No, no, no. no. I, I've, I, I've anyway. heard astonishing contortions of people's names into oh, yeah. rude things. Like I just, you, you actually wonder if they apply that creativity to something else. <laughs> no, why would you apply creativity to anything other than coming up with nicknames? No one ever did that. For, I never really had a nickname beyond Gar. But that's not an invitation, okay. FYI, for anyone. Just so you know, like... <laughs> He sent what? answers on a postcard to Mother Folklore. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I so knew anyway. a guy who tried to create his own nickname and it was terrible. He started oh, that to never works. He referred to himself in the third person as a nickname and his nickname was The Boy. Oh, God. It's so embarrassing. So mortified for whoever that was. It wasn't was it me. It was, was it you, Derek? It wasn't you. It was, was not it? me. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't dream of that. No, sure. I mean, when you have an unusual name, like people, people were quite happy to concoct... <laughs> um, names based on the spelling of O'Shea. Oh yeah, sure. Why wouldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I I know where that goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that said, if if my nickname was Shagirda, I'd um I'd try and come up with my own nickname. I'd probably settle. I'd probably settle for the boy as well. The like, boy, yeah. yeah. No, no. no, I was not interested in that. But <laughs> Patrick, please continue with yeah, your so, spooky tale. Yeah, where was I? Archbishop Narcissus Marsh, great name. He. Um, he had, you know, he had a niece that he absolutely doted on. He adored her and he provided her with an education. And uh, it was kind of his hope that she would be around Dublin, uh, you know, that when she would eventually settle and marry into a good family, she would be around Dublin to look after him in his dotage. Uh, and unfortunately, she ran off with a sailor. <laughs> yeah. Love that for her. Delighted for her. Yeah, yeah but Scarlet for Narcissus Marsh. Yeah, fair um, But obviously she knew how much she owed to the Archbishop and, and how much he had, you know, provided for her and looked after her and lifted her out of poverty and given her a good education and a great start in life. And so she wrote a note 
uh, begging for his forgiveness, which she hid in a book. And I don't know what happened to the book. For some reason, it was on the archbishop's desk, but somebody in the library went and put it back on one of the shelves and the archbishop never found it. No. Oh, I'm invested now. Yeah, and the story is that every night he wanders through his library looking for the book that contains the note, the last piece of contact he would ever have with his darling niece. Oh, man. So he's always seen walking the aisles and rearranging the books and apparently he's looking for that that lost plea for forgiveness, that one note from the heart. I think that's uh, that's a class ghost story. Yeah, no blowjobs in that one. That was nice, <laughs> Pather. Oh, you know, it was so nice until you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, he should get Marie Kondo on it. She'd find it no problem. Yeah. Does this spark joy? Does it spark joy? No, well then <laughs> put it away. Put it in the bin. <laughs> uh, that's a nice story, though. Yeah, that's I a, like I that mean, one. yeah, spooky in the sense that there's an elf wandering around, but uh, nice, you know. Well, I mean, I it's, it's, it. it's his library, so. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, he's not. It's like I said last year, we had a ghost in our house. Yeah, it's her house. So, like, we don't mind that she wanders around in it. She minds her business. We mind ours. He's I, just looking for a book, you know? Yeah, I like that a ghost that respects boundaries. Yeah, so do I. Like that. So, um. Are we finished with the ghost stories? Because I have another one. Oh, if you have one, let's, let's hear it. Let's, yeah, let's bring sorry. It I do have another one. This is, so I was searching for ghost stories. Yeah. Um, and in my searching, I, because I, I remember ghost stories about the, the village where I grew up and I couldn't locate them. But in the search, I found myself on duchus.ie, which is a fantastic resource if anyone is interested in like old, like I said, oral tradition, um, Irish stories. They have collected stories from like around all over Ireland. And you can see these like handwritten accounts of like stories from like local areas. Um, for a time I worked in Fionter, which which runs it. And um, we worked on, on Duchess. And when I was working there, we were working on um, what I was working on was um, weather forecasting, but like in old timey weather forecasting. And it was like how you would tell if it was going to rain or be sunny or be cloudy or whatever. And everything and anything, and I mean everything, was a sign of the rain. So like... A dog has sniffed at the grass, sign of the rain. A woman who was left-handed was in a kitchen, sign of the rain. Uh, two children walking hand in hand spot a mushroom on the side of the sign of the rain. Like, it's going to rain. That's the general gist of it. After like maybe 200 of these, I was like, I think it was just raining all the time. Like, you know, it can't be everything. But before you had met Aaron and, you know, Jean Byrne and the whole lot of them, you had to make do with, dog sniffing grass and left-handed women being in the kitchen. But anyway, they have a selection of ghost stories as well. And when I was doing my, my research, my uh, trying to find these old stories, I found a spooky story again from Leash. But this one, I was like, hang on there now. Whoa, whoa the pony. Like, let me hear this one. Because it was um, from uh, Timahoe in County Leash, where I'm from. But not only that, it was from an esker in Timahoe in County Leash, a sand pit. And my house is literally built on top of a sand pit. So like, I was like, hang on, (laughs) 
what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? So this is a story called The Treasure of Timahoe. It oh. was uh, collected by James O'Brien and the informant was Rody O'Brien um, from Aconey uh, County Leash, which is near Sorry, Timahoe. Rody is a great name. Yeah, R-H-O-D-Y. Love that. Rody is a fantastic yeah. name. That's mm. even better than Narcissus. Ah, come on. It's not better than Narcissus. I mean, Rody didn't get called sissy. No, so, we didn't. Plan. Rody. Rode, Rody. Did Rody. you write Rody, huh? <laughs> See? <laughs> Rody. I hardly knew he. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, but so this is the story. It was said that the treasure of Timahoe is buried between an old sandpit, again, where I live, and the banks of the river... Um, behind Mr. Hume's field. Now, on consultation with my dad, it's a different sandpit. There are many sandpits in Leash. But like last night when I discovered this very late, I was freaked out. I was like, what is this? Like, what? What? On my house, there's there's a, a spooky uh, happening. And I'll tell you about the spooky happening. So a man by the name of Kelly of Ballycoolan, again, quite near to where I live, was a Catholic who turned Protestant because that's pertinent information, apparently. He was digging in the sandpit and came across the body of a young man in monk's garb when he was digging. Mm. And he had a workmate with him and he told the workmate not to say anything. And he buried the monk's body deep in a pit and he was like looking for treasure off of the monk. And the workmate said uh, that... Surely it was the body of a saint put down in the hole uh, in the pit um, by uh, he had crossed somebody and he'd been put down there. But since then, it is said that the man in monk's garb is still still seen walking up and down from the pit to the pen with a dark lamp in his hand. The belief is that the monk escaped with the treasure, buried it and when returning home was killed by soldiers. So the secret was lost. And for about 12 hours before I clarified that with my dad, I was like, oh, my God, there's a there's a fucking dead monk ghost behind my house. Like, (laughs) I was like, oh, no, alert the parents. So I was like, Dad, did you know about this? And he was like, that's another sandpit. And then I stopped being frightened of it. I was like, well, that's the people up in Gary Glass. So I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with your monk, Gary Glass. Fuck you guys, I don't care. I have seen a black rabbit in the sandpit behind my house, but that's just because Lawler's pet rabbit escaped and <laughs> procreation. But other than that, nothing out of the ordinary in that sandpit. It wasn't a pet ghost rabbit or anything like that? I don't think so, but you still occasionally, like once every few years, you'll see the strain of the black rabbit comes back. This sounds like something out of Watership Town, but you'll see a black rabbit knocking around every few years because the, you know, the genes or whatever makes and you'll have a black rabbit, which is quite cute, I'll have you know. Definitely Guess a that's the problem rain. with rabbits. The problem with rabbits is they breed like rabbits. They do. I've heard mm. they do that. Yeah, yeah. So that's my other spooky story. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that, that was a that. genuine chill, though, when yeah. you said like a, a monk walking yeah. with a dark I, lamp. That's yeah, because we see like a lot of people go what you would call like lamping um, in our area, which is like hunting with a lamp at night for like I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't go hunting like. Mm-hmm. Foxes or rabbits or whatever. It's for rabbits. It's yeah, for rabbits. rabbits or, yeah, if there was like a fox like attacking chickens or something, you might go after it or something. Um, but so you would see at nighttime, you would see a light. It wouldn't be the most unusual thing to look out the window and see like a light. But uh, I've always just assumed like, oh, that's, you know, Connor's lamping. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the monk. And I got a genuine chill when I read that the other night, like last night. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. What if it wasn't those people lamping? What if it was the monk? 
But it wasn't apparently according to my dad, but maybe he was just trying to make me feel better. I don't know. But yeah, spooky stories. And do Custody, as I said, really good resource for uh, for any kind of stories, but it also has a, a great selection of ghost stories. Excellent. Yeah, class. So that's, that's two recommendations yeah. on Guardian this evening. We have Duke Study, but also um, The Haunted Leash. Haunted Leash, yeah, their Facebook page, yeah. And I would, if you're into, if you're interested in that, um, it definitely, yeah, it's a good, good uh, collection and it's all in good spirit and good fun. And apparently I went down a rabbit hole, a ra- rabbits, remember? <laughs> oh. uh, a rabbit hole of looking for, apparently there was like those, um, you know, those lads that do the ghost busting. You know, those fellas who do the, we have oh, machines yeah, that like Paranormal investigators. For, yeah, the, apparently. So there was a, a lads over uh, investigating a pub in Fisherstown in Meesh. And I was like, Jesus, I didn't know that it was haunted. But they apparently had their own machines. And they were like, yep, the machine, the special ghost detection machine is telling me there's ghosts. And I don't know, I, I'm not one to criticise your scientific method, but... I don't know. What else does that machine do? Talk me through the logic of that machine and how <laughs> it's it works. A, it's a Geiger counter, actually. They've they've just discovered radioactive waste <laughs> yeah. in, in Fisherstown County. I, what I can't get my head around is like those shows, like it's on Welcome to Series 9 of Ghost Hunters. We still haven't found a fucking ghost. <laughs> but we're still going, guys. <laughs> but, but they keep renewing the series and you, keep, yeah. you idiots keep watching it. Yeah. No, it's, it's what I remember. I enjoy, there's a part of me because I'm not into spooky stuff. But I enjoy, you know, people who are like mediums. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy get, watching those people getting rotted. Like, <laughs> oh, is that bad? <laughs> I remember years ago, because I'm, I'm, I watch terrible television and I, I enjoy Celebrity Big Brother. And there was a fella, Derek somebody. Um, Der- Der- Derek Akora. Derek Akora. Derek Akora. Derek Akora. I'm getting a, yeah. hold on, I'm getting a, it's your, it's your mum or your aunt or your granny or your dad or your uncle. Your uncle, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and he was on it and he was finding spirits and I was going, if I was a spirit, I would, the last fucking place I go is the big brother house. Like, can you, <laughs> like the degradation. No, you're not going into the fucking big brother house. So I did smell somewhat of a rat there when the lights were going on and off and I was like, yeah, but I know there's a guy that controls the lights because they turn them on and off every morning you know <laughs> Derek so I'm not sure how accurate you're thinking but I love watching them get rotted when people are just not into it and they're like oh I, I sense you know you have loss and they're like nope no loss in my life nope <laughs> get out the Long Island medium who approaches people in a store and she's like you've lost somebody I know you've lost somebody in your life and they're like yeah because that's what humans are. Yeah. So I enjoy those those shows. Yeah, you're right. I can't find my friend Blanet. She's about here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> She's at the bar getting shots. Anyway, the, uh, the, the, the Big Brother house couldn't be haunted. The only thing that's ever died there has been like the dignity of an entire race of people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I enjoy it. Am I a bad person? Is that is that a, a haunted, an evil streak in me that I enjoy particularly? Let's, let's be fair, Garadine. That's not why you're a bad person. <laughs> it's all the other shit. It's all that's the other shit. <laughs> it's all the other shit. But I enjoy watching particularly the celebrity one because you know they're they're dying to get back to be relevant. And a part of me is like, yes, let me watch them desperately try and be famous again. Like, that's terrible. Like, that's an awful thing. But I enjoy it. I enjoy it so much. And then I keep them relevant because I Google, like, the likes of Derek Akora and people who were on it far too long ago <laughs> to see what they're up to, you know. What's Derek Akora up to these days? Has he got into any, like, crazy shenanigans? I don't know. I want to read about it. We've just received a text message from Derek Akora's solicitor. 
<laughs> Derek Agora himself has, has telepathically connected to us. Stop mm. shit talking me. Okay. So, um, Before his career as a medium, Derek Akora played as a footballer where he was once on the books of Liverpool. Go away. And the circle is complete. Oh, uh, right look at back us. To look football. at us. Complete. That's how we do it. <laughs> on that circular elliptical note, I want to thank Patter and Carrigan for joining me for this super spooky episode. Is that night time? Is it morning? Who knows? Your headphones. Thank you. And mind yourselves, mind your dogs this Halloween season. Have a, have a good spooky socially distanced time. And we'll catch you next Friday for more words. Irish. Irish words. Words from Ireland. We've got some great episodes coming up which are recorded before the American election. So that if we sound chipper or not chipper <laughs> or anything like that, if, if, if our mood doesn't match the mood of the world, that's why. We recorded them in advance. Scheduling. <laughs> so until then, slan from me. That's slan from me. And it's a slan wemsha. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Derek Akora. <laughs> 1950 to 2020. Is he dead? Yeah, he died in January. Oh, and you can't say. No! Oh and my you, God! And, and Garadine, as you know, as you know, you can't defame the dead. Yeah, delighted. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he died man. On, he died on the 3rd of January. He you know of, I haven't Googled him in a while. <laughs> he um he died of what is he had a short illness. He uh, was ah, hos- poor Derek. was hospitalized with pneumonia and contracted sepsis and he didn't see <gasps> that one coming. Oh, I was going to say that and I was like no, that's bad. Don't say that, Garoti. <laughs> Dark again here just to say thank you so much for letting us into your headphones this week again we really appreciate all our listeners thanks very much to Brian at Cruise Ahead for producing us and making us sound great and for Kirsten Shield as ever for doing the amazing artwork for us thank you I don't know if you caught Derek's subtle hint in the episode but it is his birthday soon so if you want to do him a birthday solid and support the podcast it's patreon.com forward slash Derek that's patreon.com forward slash Derek cool if you want to contact the show, you can send an email to motherfuckerheadstuff.org or you can send a WhatsApp voice message to the number in the show notes. Do send it. We really, we're looking forward to that because we want, we want to include those in a future mailbag episode. So until next time, mind yourselves, stay classy. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. That was the so. joke that killed Motherfucker. I can't believe it.